0: How about I just talk briefly about Harvest Crusade just for a moment. You know, God is truly good. He really is. Do you know that your perspective of God changes the way that you live? If you think God's a big jerk in the sky, you're going to be a jerk to everybody. If you see God is good, and you will be good, you will try Your best to be good. To walk as he does, it's true. If you believe there is no God, or if you view God as there not being one, then you will live like there is not one. You will have no rule or regulation of your life, no submission to any authority, and you will do whatever you please and whatever you want for you and your life. I'm so happy that God is good and that he can do great things despite us. And, you know, I've, I've been going to harvest um, this church here in Riverside, this church in town. that's where I attend, and that's uh, where I work as well. Um, and I've seen these Harvest Crusade things go down year after year after year for a long time. I've been going for a long time. I even remember going when I even wasn't going to harvest. I went before when I went to a youth group over off of Jackson in California, Christian Life Center, a uh, four-square church over there. And um, the amazing went down this weekend. Just briefly, as I said already, 130,000 people showing up or something close to that. And over 12,000 commitments to God in some way. It is just incredible. Now, you don't understand all the work and effort that goes in. You know what we try to do? I mean, to make this happen. There's so much prayer and so many steps. We go for the last year, well, about January we start. We start going and meeting with churches all over the place. That's what I do throughout the week. I go and meet with youth groups and meet with pastors and try to get them involved in Harvest Crusade. Why? So they can help our event? No. So that they can engage in this event in such a way that would help their church, number one. And number two, see the kingdom of God further. Jeez. You have no clue how much money Harvest Christian Fellowship pours into this event. Yeah. It costs over a million dollars to buy that stadium for this weekend. And you I'm not going to tell you the numbers, but it is just, it's incredible how much we ask churches just to commit and support and help out. You know what happens to all those 12,000 people after they make a commitment to Christ? We have them fill out a card. You know where that card goes? It goes into a back room right after the crusade, right after the thing's over, right after that night in that back room, the cards are sorted in cities, all different cities, and then all, and, and then those cities are sorted into all different churches, and those cards go into the churches, and we have the churches call those people and tell them to come out on Sunday morning. The pastor sends them a letter. They get three phone calls of somebody saying, "Please come out. We want to invite you to church this Sunday." So we take all. Do all those? Do twelve thousand people come to Harvest Christian Fellowship? Oh no, not even close. All of the majority, probably ninety five percent or more a lot obviously have come from riverside but the majority all go back where into the churches of southern california because we want to build the church of jesus christ that's what it's about you should see the reaction of pastors when we go to other cities to go over there and preach the gospel like we just did in south dakota podunk south dakota who lives there anyways you're like i used to live there and i'm not telling anybody now (laughs) We went out there and we did a harvest crusade. You should see the pastors and how blessed. They can't believe that an organization would go out there, dump all this money into their city and all this time and effort, have the team go over there and spend a year there in their city trying to get the churches together to come together for this one event to see thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ. You would never believe the time and effort that men give up from their families. They spend two or three weeks at a time out there texting their wives and calling their wives and trying to have a relationship through a phone praise god for skype huh but you know the sacrifice that goes into seeing the gospel for is absolutely incredible and that's what's happened here in angel stadium and it ain't no joke and we saw amazing things happen this weekend how many of you guys were there how many of you guys got to see it wow that's a lot that's almost everybody that's praise god listen on Sunday night, I don't know if you were there, but we got to see probably one of the greatest worship leaders of our time that we'll ever see. Why? You notice, his name's Chris Tomlin, if, you, if you've if you never heard of his stuff, go check it out. If you haven't, I mean, what rock are you hiding under, you know? <laughs> it's like, uh, he's probably one of the greatest worship leaders. Uh, I mean, he's like a King David here in our time. Why? There are two things that you see in the man, two things. Number one is humility. You see that this, this band that he represents, is it has nothing to do with him. I mean, the guy walks up to a microphone, I mean, and just starts strumming and just singing as if he's just hanging out with God by himself. And he has the power and the authority to command 50,000 to exalt God, and they all do in an instant. Do you understand what that takes? There are thousands of bands on the earth that try to get people to sing and try to get people to move and have an experience. That's what every band is trying to do. But the number one thing that it takes, you worship leaders, is humility. It's having that experience with God by yourself somewhere else. Then when you get on stage, you do the exact same thing. It's no big deal, and people just watch you worship. And then you 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 exhort them as you're worshiping God to kind of follow and just hang out. In an interview he was doing um, this weekend, I got to listen in and hear a couple different things. He said that his job is to get on stage and get out of the way. I like that because that's exactly what I saw as I just watched. It's like, man, look at this guy. He's got nothing real. He just he's just a just a normal guy going up there just praising God. Number two thing that you'll notice is that all of his, a lot of his worship is what? Solid scripture. Scripture worship. It is. And the worship leader at my church asked him that. He said, what's your secret to writing worship songs? He's like, I don't know. I just kind of just reading through my devos. And uh, when I see scripture that I think is good, then I just take from it and I write a song about it. Uh, genius. It's really not genius. So if you think about it, right? What words on the face of the earth have the power to change lives? There's only one word that I know about. It's the Bible. Hello? So it was blowing my mind because I remember when I was in the desert, just not too, well, geez, it's been almost three years, but long ago, when I lived in the desert with this guy, this pastor, he told us, he said, you worship leaders, please write more songs that are solid scripture, please. Because the worship is becoming so shallow in this day and age. It's all about me. Do this for me, God. Do this for me, God. Wait, wait, what, what is worship have anything really to do with you? Well, if you were to worship me, it sounds like it's all about me. And it should be all about him. Now, there are songs that are okay, you know, where it's kind of like there's a sing going on between you and God and you're asking and you're singing. The psalmist does that. David does. But we need more songs glorifying and praising and lifting him up. No wonder the greatest song on the face of the earth ever sung in more nations and in more tongues than any other is what? How great is our God. It's all about him. How great is our God. And the probably hymn that's sung more than any is "How Great Thou Art." Wow, there you go. It was a moment in history that uh, Harvest Crusade will never forget. And those of you who got to see it, we just praise God and we rejoice. And I am um, blessed because that's my job. That's what I get to do for a living. And that what's I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, somebody slapped me. You know, this isn't right. It's not fair, right? It's not fair to you, right? You're like, Josh, how'd you get that job anyways, man? How do you get the, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm just very blessed. <sighs> Nick, why don't you come up, brother? Nick, yeah, come on. come Come up, brother. Come on. This is Nick, my Italian brother. Who's just come back uh, from being gone in the armed forces for quite a while. And uh, we pray for him him from time to time. And uh, he just walked in. And I just wanted to give a hug and say hi. Yeah, let's welcome him back, huh? You know, there are many who go out, and it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Probably one of the most difficult things. I always wonder what I would do if I got drafted or I had to go. I mean, all I think about is doing this, is ministering Jesus, and then having to go away to other countries and get away from home, being taken away from everyone you know. Can you imagine? It's absolutely amazing that brothers can stand strong, and even the struggles they go through, the things that God continues to show and reveal, and um, Nick, just through reading some of his texts and uh didn't really get to talk to him much, but just through little things here and there, the times that he did tell of the work that he was trying to do continually, I just wanted you to come up and just share maybe, just maybe two, three minutes, you know, just some of the things that the Lord uh, was putting on your heart or some things maybe that you saw happen that, um, gosh, it would just bless the people, you know. Um, yeah, please, let's, uh, let's welcome Nick. Come on. Yeah.
1: It's a lot of new faces, a lot of new faces. Um, like you said, I'm in the Air Force stationed in Texas, and it's just its a blessing. It really is. It's a blessing to be out um, finding out how well I was fed here and putting an application to everything I'm learning. Um, it's like a key point that I'd want to share with you guys, actually – This is cool because I was thinking about if you made me do this. I was thinking, I was like, oh, man. I was trying to hide in the back there, but he saw me. Um, Something the Lord put on my heart, very strong, just in the last two days I've been home, discernment. Discernment, 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 discernment. Like, learn as much as you can about it and know it and just seek it out. There are so many people, so many people that I'm surrounded with that have a basis of who God is. They know who he is. They know Jesus. They know the word, you know, they know it, but they are just lost. They have no idea who they are in Christ. They have no idea what their purpose is. They make decisions. I've made decisions based on haste, based on how I feel thinking this is the Lord or that is the Lord, you know, and I just run with it thinking, hoping that it's going to be God. And, uh, and, uh, I've hit brick walls many times realizing it wasn't God. It was just my flesh. It was just my confusion or the enemy. Um, The Word of God says that it's sharp and it divides the soul and the spirit. And I've learned that that's important. I didn't know why it was dividing the soul and the spirit. You know, I had no clue. I didn't didn't know why that was important to me. I didn't know why it was written in the Bible. And um, the soul... Is everything that makes you up. It's everything who you are. It's the software. Um, but the Spirit is God. And I think all too often that we are completely confused that we get those two mixed, that there's a mixture of the two. And the decisions or the next step that we're going to take is based upon that. And it can't be like that. There has to be a division between the two. And that right there, standing in between those two, is the Word of God. That will give you clarity. That will give you discern. It says it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And I found that so comforting because it was like, man, all these things I'm so confused about, you know, walking and, you know, am I supposed to minister in Texas for the rest of my life, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's a very small town. It's just just weird, you know, coming back home. And I'm like, oh, thank you, you know, coming back to the city. Um, am I supposed to go here? Am I supposed to go there? Am I supposed to marry this guy or this girl? You know, not me, but, you know, you guys. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> but it does, it comes very much down to discernment. And I, I know, I know that you guys have been faced with decisions on what schools to go to, what, what jobs to take. You know, and sometimes you get that, that dream interview, and you're like, man, if I got this job, I'd, be, I'd just be set. And the second you get that interview, somebody else calls you up with the better choice. And now you got a dilemma. You know, where do I go? God, what do you want me to do? And it's just too confusing. Stop. Stop before every decision that you're going to make and pray until your heart is at rest pray until you are sure pray until you got nothing left to pray about and then ask god to give you things to pray about you know just sit there and rest with our father and don't make haste on anything get discernment in all you're getting get discernment um other than that i mean it's been fruitful it really has been there's a lot of people that are benefiting from it i gone through a lot of situations in ministry that um, I've gone through here, but not quite as intimate because you're, you're close knit with guys and, and girls that are just, like I said, lost. And it's cool to see their light bulbs come on, you know, and they get excited when they realize that there is a God that does care that has provided and that he's not leaving. So God bless you guys. I'm happy to be here more than happy to be here and um, love you guys. All right.
0: Let's pray for Nick. Huh? Father, we just say thank you for all the work that you've done in this guy. Taking him out from among us and uh, sending him out into the field where it is very ripe out there, Lord, and sometimes difficult to pick because people just aren't willing, Lord. But we know that your gospel is powerful, and that it penetrates hearts And we know that we need your discernment and your word hidden in our hearts so that we can discern and have wisdom and understanding on how to minister and how to speak into people's lives and how to hear your voice. I thank you for Nick, God, and I just pray that you would give him all of that. That you'd give him the wisdom of Moses, God. That somehow he would know as hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of people stood before Moses asking him questions. I pray that you would give this man that kind of discernment to go right or to go left, to tell them to go right or to go left, how to minister directly and to penetrate the heart and the surroundings that he's in. Thank you for this man, and thank you for the work that you're doing. We need more out there in the armed forces, God, ministering to those soldiers. There are so many who know you and would say that they know you, yet they do not have any clue what it means to walk with you. And so we pray for more prophets in that land. I pray that you'd use Nick to glorify your kingdom all the days of his life. Bless him, Lord. Keep him close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's a difficult place, I'm telling you. I know, because I've heard it over and over and over from all of the brothers and sisters who have been in the armed forces, man. But we praise God for them, you know, because they, uh, despite whether or not you agree with the government and what they're doing, it doesn't matter. Those people are laying down their lives for our freedom. And uh, that's a true blessing, is it not? We, we know there is one who has laid down his life for our freedom, for our freedom forever from bondage and from sin. His name is Jesus. And um, that's who we're going to talk about tonight. We are in the book of what? Amos. Huh? Amos. What? Didn't even know there was a book called that. I know you didn't. But you Bible students, you need to know. Amos. We will be in the book of Amos tonight. We were in what book last week? Do you remember? Joel. Yes, Joel. And um, it's amazing how fast we are moving through the Bible because I'm teaching every seventh chapter. I teach every seventh chapter because we're supposed to be reading every chapter, every seventh chapter, one a day. And when we get to the seventh chapter this week, that's the one we will talk about. And so we are in Amos. I just, I love this because, see, I get to study myself and figure out what's going on in all these books, too. You think, because Josh teaches the Bible, that he just knows everything about the Bible from beginning to end, don't you? You think that, don't you? I know you do, but I don't. I absolutely don't. And I'm a Bible student just like you. I'm learning as we go. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I am learning, I am studying. And I am trying to figure out how this works and where it sits and what happens. Amos is a prophet who, it was ministering with other prophets in that time. They're like four, three or four prophets all ministering at the same time. It's amazing. Joel was one there. Um, I believe Elijah was another. Hosea there was in that time. This is all around the same time back in the Kings. Remember, all of the prophets, these minor prophets, why are they called minor prophets? Because I got a small book. That's it. It's no other reason. It's not because they're small guys. Remember, they weren't short. It has nothing to do with that. Um, (laughs) That's a joke. You guys didn't think it was funny. Do you notice that you never think any of my jokes are funny? Do you notice that? I notice that. I notice that every single week. All right. But Joel... We talked about last week. Do you remember what the, what the theme was? It was really talking about what? The locusts coming in and eating away and God doing what? Restoring all that the locusts had eaten away. What a great God we serve, you know? And this week we will talk about Amos and who this guy was and what he was doing. His name, his name means burden or burden bearer. One who carries a burden. Interesting because that is exactly what a prophet does many times is he is the one who what carries the burden of the people and he seems to be always broken before god broken before god for the nation that's a very clear sign of a prophet one who desires to see change but it's just not happening and will do anything he can in order to see it happen a prophet is one who does what speaks truth speaks the truth of God. That's it. It's very clear. One who speaks truth. And that is what every single one of the prophets did from times of old until even these times. Now, we may not see prophets like we saw back in that day. We don't see prophets that are writing scripture, but we do see prophets who speak truth. Men who speak truth, men men who travel around preaching the truth of God and are not ashamed to speak the truth, whether it offends or condemns or encourages or blesses, they will preach the truth no matter what. And that is a true prophet to a nation. It is a difficult thing to do, but it must be done. Amos was who? He was not in the Levitical priesthood. No, he wasn't a priest. He was guess what? A sheep herder, a sheep breeder. Yeah. He uh he was a, he was a sheep guy. He hung out with the sheep. What? Amos, the prophet? Yeah, he was a sheep guy, man. He just shepherded over the sheep and he would breed sheep. That's what he did. And and number 2, he took cor- took care of the uh the sycamore fruit. He would um I guess farm this stuff. I don't know. I mean, but We know that he was a farmer of some type taking care of this fruit and producing it, the sycamore fruit. What kind of fruit is that? I don't know. I've never tasted it. I've never seen it. I don't know. Um, Does anyone know? No. No, you don't. You don't know. Me neither. We'll have to look that up. But that's what he did. He farmed and he took care of sheep. Now, these kind of jobs are great jobs. Why? Why? Because they teach you humility very quickly. Yeah. A farmer, that's not an easy job. And a shepherd is a very difficult one. Taking care of sheep. You know what you do? You just stand out in the field. You just watch sheep all day. So, Amos, what are you doing today? Same thing I do every day. Watch sheep. I'm doing it. He just watches them. He takes care of them. Make sure they don't jump off a cliff or anything like that. Because they will, huh? Because they're stupid. Yes, they're dumb. And it's interesting that the Bible compares us to what? Sheep, huh? Because we're what? Stupid. Dumb. Yeah, we are, aren't we? We do dumb stuff all the time. Why'd you do that? I don't know. I'm an idiot. I know. You are. But God loves us, idiots, doesn't He? He takes care of his kids. You know, you watch children all the time and you wonder why they do what they do. It's just amazing. You know, they, I mean, they take dirt and they put it in their hair. You know, it's like, what are you doing? It's fun, it's fun, daddy, I like it. It's like, okay, okay. I mean, my brother used to get ice cream behind his ear. Who knows how? But every time he got an ice cream cone, he had it there. (laughs) Kids do and say the darnest things, that's for sure. Amos just watching the sheep, learning what it means to care. Interesting. To care for the sheep. A farmer definitely knows what hard work is, doesn't he? And he wakes up at the crack of dawn. Many of you in here have never even seen the sunrise. <laughs> to wake up at the crack of dawn, to get out there and to grab the eggs and milk the cows and to start working in the field. I got a small taste of that when I was a child. My grandma would try to wake us up and get me and my brothers to go and work in the backyard. Man. And it was like pulling teeth. It really was. That's she tell us. Like pulling teeth, trying to get you guys to do anything around here. And it was. But I almost, you know, I'll just share from my heart, even just for a moment, outside of Bible study. I think discipleship, if I was to ever get to do any kind of school, you know what it would consist of? Working hard. If I took a group of guys out into the desert, I would make you work like madmen. I would break your back literally trying to teach you how, what it means to work hard and sweat and to really just endure like slaves. So it would humble you and break you so you'd know what it means to work hard for your family one day and what it takes. So many sissies around this day, they don't even know what it means to pick up a shovel and dig a hole, rake some leaves, cut down a tree. It's amazing what our culture is breeding. The other half would just be seeking God and spending time with Him in quiet time. But I believe this Amos, he knew what it meant to seek God because he spent time with the sheep a lot by himself. And number two, he was definitely a hard worker. He definitely knew what it meant to work hard. He was humble, he was a servant. He was the burden bearer. There were two problems in the nation at this time. Two big problems. Number one, their worship was not true worship. The worship in the nation was not true. They worshiped, but it wasn't true worship. Interesting. They worshiped. They did all the outward stuff. They lifted their hands. They sang with their voices. They gave offerings unto God. But what? It was not true worship. Wow. There's a lot of that happening this day, isn't there? Number two, there was a lack of justice in their nation. No justice. The line wasn't being drawn. There's a big problem going on. No justice, no truth. Reminds me of a nation once again. The only difference is that nation in that day was prospering in their time. Prosperous. The money was coming in, the economy was doing well, everybody was living it up. And that was just happening not too long ago, huh, for us. So you just think back three, four years ago. Everybody's lifting their truck to the sky. Everybody's buying these houses. They're building like crazy. All houses popping up everywhere. People spending money, credit card, credit card, like crazy. Anything you want. I mean, everybody's flossing like crazy. And now what? It's like, hey, come on, let's go do this. Oh, I I, I don't know. I kind of got to save my money. Everybody's tightening down like crazy. Because the economy's bad. This book was written probably somewhere in 755 B.C., somewhere around there. They're not sure. It was right around a time when there was a huge earthquake. Random. It just says it there in the first couple verses. In the first verse, it says it right there at the end. You see that? Two years before the earthquake. The earthquake. I guess it was a big one, huh? To go in the Bible, it probably was. Amos was a Judean prophet called to deliver a message primarily to the northern tribes of Israel. And politically, as I said, it was a time of prosperity for Israel under the long and secure reign of Jeroboam II. He was following the example of his father Joash. It It was a time of peace as well. So things are great in the nation, okay? We got peace and prosperity and you think that nothing better could happen nothing could go wrong in this time and that's exactly i think what always happens in our lives when things are going good think about it let's 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 analyze our lives as we dive into the text many times when things are going good in our lives we are the furthest from god do you ever notice that hey when everything's la-di-da the bills are paid you got nothing to worry about Everything's kind of like in this happy moment, exciting time. You kind of don't think about God. And I think that's the flesh that starts coming out. But for some reason, when the bottom falls out, when your life is in shambles, and when everything is messed up in life because you ruined it, or because some tragedy hits, what happens? You get on your knees, don't you? You cry out to God, huh? all of a sudden your relationship with God tightens up real fast. Interesting. We always pray, God, give me the good life. God says, if I give you the good life, you're going to run from me. That's why, listen, family, that's why, listen, don't miss this. That's why many of you will sit in hard times for the rest of your life. Because you will not stay close to God if peace and prosperity come into your life. Interesting. You wonder why things stay hard. Either you make those problems for yourself or God will make them for you to keep him close to you. When will you learn? That's the question. Did Israel learn? Nope. Once again, we will see tonight That is peace and prosperity is happening in the nation. They have forsaken their God and they are running from what is right. Look at our nation. Everything was going great and everyone turns from their God and they rip everything out, get all the crosses out, get the 10 commandments out of the courthouse. What I mean, get God out of everything. Things are good. But hey, when 9/11 hits, God bless America. Right? Is that what we need? I mean, do we need poverty around this nation? Do we need a nuclear bomb to go off? What do we need in order to wake up? You know what the key and the answer is? Wake up tonight. You wake up in Jesus' name. You stop allowing slackness to be in your life. You don't worship in vain. And you don't allow things not to be clear in your life as far as justice. We're going to learn that tonight. We're going to start in chapter 5. They're actually pretty short chapters. I'm going to do two tonight. And so, starting in chapter 5, we just see a straight-up exhortation to repentance. Are you ready? Let's go before our king. Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. For it is what cuts deep into the soul. It is what changes us forever. Oh, God, we need your touch tonight. Oh, Lord, speak. Our ears are hearkened unto you. We love you, King. We choose to obey your word. We choose to listen. We choose to be changed. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amos chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Look at Amos coming off strong. Are you ready? He says in verse 1, Hear ye this word which I take up against you. Even a lamentation, O house of Israel, says, listen up, hear this word. I think that means you should probably what? Hear this word. (laughs) Look, when you're reading through the Bible, you should probably just do what it says. It's amazing how people, I never, when I was growing up in the church, I would read the Bible and I'd hear people read the Bible. And for some reason, I, I could never get it. Because people would always take the Bible as if it was like some some special secret message that only certain people can know. and It's like it's very difficult to understand. And like you can't, I mean, only, you know, pastors and priests can really understand it. What does it say? Hear ye this word which I take up against you. Sounds like you should listen to a word that he has against you, Israel, right? I mean, it's really simple. The Bible is easy to understand. You Bible students who are struggling through it, Keep going. Keep reading. I would encourage you to pick up a commentary by John Corson. Yeah, uh uh-huh. If you want application for your life, write it down right now if you need. J-O-N-C-O-U-R-S-O-N. You should pick up his commentary on the Bible. And he has three volumes. And then if you want a bunch of meat, like information and all the facts of the history and all that, pick up John MacArthur's commentary. On the whole Bible, it's only like 40 bucks. You can have commentary, a fat one, like this big. It'll take you verse by verse through the entire Bible. John Corson's is broken up into three sections, and you can get verse by verse through the entire Bible. So when you're reading your Bible, and you don't understand, you just pop open that commentary, you can start reading a little bit. Oh, I see what it's trying to say. Okay, I get it. It will revolutionize your Bible study time. I'm telling you. You want to get jacked up? Go listen to what some of the scholars have to say. Hear ye this word which I take up against you a lamentation. That's that's a, a sad a sad story, O house of Israel. Verse two the virgin of Israel's fallen, she has no more rise. Isn't that an interesting choice of words? Does your say that in your translation? The virgin of Israel's fallen. That's that interesting? It's like a girl who saved her virginity for so long and lost it to some fool. That's how it happens many times. Isn't that sad? Girls, stay pure in Jesus' name. One of the greatest testimonies you could ever say to your husband is, I saved myself for you. Same with you guys. I stayed pure. Because I love you. And I love God even more. What a powerful testimony, huh? You're like, Josh, I haven't been pure. Then start being pure right now and say, I have kept myself since this date to be pure for you. What a powerful testimony. The, the virgin of Israel is fallen. She shall no more rise. She is forsaken upon her land. There is none that rise that raise her up. For thus saith the Lord God, the city that went out by a thousand shall leave a hundred. And that which went forth by a hundred shall leave ten to the house of Israel. What a great picture. They go out so strong, a thousand, and come back how many? One hundred. They got slaughtered. They go out a hundred and come back with ten. That's weak. That's sad, isn't it? Braveheart and his army going out strong and coming back with nothing. And that's what happens when you go out into the world. Have you ever noticed that? You come out from the church strong, huh? Like ten thousand strong and you come back weak because you go into a territory and mess yourself up. You fool. That is such a word that I hope to have to, I don't want to say it to people. But I feel like it is the word almost for our generation. I look into the eyes of our generation and that's what I want to say every time. Young people, you fool. Because why? They're doing foolish things. You know what that word implies? It implies that you have no clue. You are clueless. You do things without having any knowledge, wisdom at all in life. You just do things. You actually think it's like, you know, you know, the 16 year old, sorry if you're 16, but just listen to this. This is a word for you. You know what I'm talking about? It's weird. When I was 16, I mean, I literally thought I knew more than my dad. I'm like, dude, I got this guy. Like I know way more. Like he has no clue, clueless. Oh my gosh. You know, whatever. I wasn't saying that, but I was thinking it. That's for sure. It's like, "Did dad, you got no clue?" I mean, you were definitely not getting it. I just know so much more. I mean, I think I can actually outsmart my dad. I used to think that. What I didn't understand is I was a fool, wasn't I? Because my dad has lived my life 3 times over. And because he has lived longer than me, he automatically knows more than me. No, not my dad. No, he doesn't know. Oh, you fool. You have no clue. You know when somebody has something on their face and everybody in the room knows it, but no one tells them? That's you. You fool. I know more. I know what I'm doing. I know what I should do in life. Okay, you fool. You are foolish. And how many times have we been that person, huh? You know what's the best card to play? Humility. You just say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know much about this life because I've only lived 16 years compared to the 70-year-old man. Yeah, he's senile. He doesn't know anything. Okay. You fool. That's what this nation is doing and that's what this nation is being. And it is a sad thing and that's what's happening in our day and age. Did you know that? There are people turning from the living God left and right And actually justifying within their own hearts what they think is right. That's Romans chapter 1, is it not? This is what happens. How does a nation get to this? How does a nation who fears God and loves God get to this point? This is what they do. And this is the warning for you tonight. They hear truth. It goes into their ears. But what they do is they start to suppress the truth. They push it down. And they start convincing themselves that the things that they think are are right, just a little bit at a time. It starts just a little bit at a time. You see how it works in relationships with compromise. Oh, you know, but we're, you know, we both love God. We're going to stay pure and all this stuff. And then what? Little compromise, huh? Little compromise. Start putting yourself in situations you know you should never be. And then before you know it, you compromise, compromise, compromise. Huh? You suppress the truth. Like you're in the moment and you suppress it. You suppress it. I know what's right and I suppress it. Then you keep suppressing it until you get to a point where you think and you try to start justifying like, it's not that bad. I'm not that bad of a person. It's really not that big of a deal. But do you remember at the beginning when you used to say, I will never compromise. It's amazing how we can stand so strong at one moment, compromise, compromise, compromise suppress, 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 suppress the truth, then get to a point where we actually believe ourselves and what we are saying is right. That is foolishness, and that is what you should never allow to happen. It will be like you doing this, going out with a thousand men and coming back shamed with only a hundred, going out with a hundred people into war and coming back with only 10 because you misled your group. You've misled your life. Does that not happen to us? And is that not happening to our nation? Do you understand that if we do not do something quick, we are going to be a nation, a generation that goes out with a thousand and comes back with only a hundred? Me and Brian were just last night we're on Facebook, and there's so many of my friends from high school starting to add me. And I was a freak in high school. I became a freak like later on, you know, t- for Jesus, like towards my senior year more or less. And so people remember, but I know that as they add, it's kind of like, I don't know if they're scared to or what, I don't know what they really view, but I've gotten some different, I don't know, just some different views and some different things, but I'm really excited about it. And we were kind of going through, as I typed in 2001 Ramona High School, that's the year I graduated, (laughs) like 2001, man, that's a long time ago. No, 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 it's not. It's really not. I mean, I remember thinking 2001 was like the future. Like, I can't believe it. Like, we are here, man. We have arrived. And we typed in. We just saw all these people. And you just see how many people are starting to walk and build lives. I saw a girl from my senior year who I got to know pretty well. This girl, she's she's just had a baby, but she's with this guy. And she's acting as if she's completely happy. Yet they're not married and they may even be happy. Yeah. You know, they may sincerely be happy. They've just had a baby together and they're pursuing it, you know, it's just but they're not married and it's like we planned it. It's a miracle, you know. It's just, you know, this is our, she said something like this is our miracle. I'm just like, oh God, like what is happening, you know, because they're taking great joy and pride in what is happening. No marriage covenant, yet a baby is being born and it's a good thing. It's like, yeah, we don't have to be married, you know, it's just like no no commitment. What they don't see is the 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 repercussions of that. No commitment. I almost wanted to just message her real quick. Hey, you know, like what's the deal? So why so why isn't this guy like committed to you? Like he could just up and leave you any day, huh? I mean there's no commitment. No, we're committed, you know, we're committed. There's like a there's this mutual thing between both of us. She could up and leave if she wanted to too. There's no commitment level. And I saw that in a couple different places, and it just it just blows my mind. That's what's happening to this generation. We are going out with a thousand and we're coming in about to come in with a hundred. We as a generation are about to raise families that are broken, have no fathers, have no mothers. Can you imagine what that's going to look like in the next generation? It's a family, it's it's a it's a society with no fathers, it's a society with no parents, it's a society with no rules and regulations. It's a society that has been built off of sin. And th- I don't know if you understand. I don't know if there's very many of you in here who have been divorced or even been married married or even in a relationship, but the repercussions are huge, like this. I was just counseling a man today. He's married to this woman who's had kids in a previous relationship, he's had kids in a previous relationship, so they got married, they're together now. And he's having a hard time because he can't discipline her kids from the past relationship because they don't want to listen to him. And she's having a hard time because the kids put a hard time on her and say like smash her down and put her down because she's not being the mom she's supposed to be and you know, why can't I have a dad and a mom who loves me and all this pressure from her? And so she feels like she can't discipline her kids because she's going to make them mad. So look at all these problems that are starting to stir up just because of sin. These repercussions. A dad, I'm sorry, a stepdad can't discipline these kids because they don't respect him, and mom's not going to discipline him because she doesn't want to rule in the relationship. Look at what this is. This is this is only scratching the surface of what is about to happen in our generation i'm telling you we have got to draw the line as young people we've got to draw the line in our hearts now and not suppress any of the truth but let truth fly in our house i love what my buddy said who i was counseling he said this but josh even though my wife is this the problem is happening you know what i just told her last night i said for me and my house we're going to serve the lord and this is my house And I'm going to take control of this wife. And if they come to our house, they're going to treat you with respect. And I'm going to discipline them. We're going to read the word and we're going to worship here in this house. And if they don't want to do that, then they will not be allowed to come here into this house. And I'm making that corporate decision because it's my duty as a man over this house. God will hold me accountable. I have to do this. She got mad at him and yelled at him for a bit. And then woke up in the morning and said, honey, you're right you're right, I'm sorry. And he was praising God. But that's what has to We've got to take the reins back. We're about to go out with a thousand and come in with a hundred. We're about to be a wreck. But it starts now, it starts tonight. For thus saith the Lord, verse four, unto the house of Israel. Oh, this is good. <laughs> This is good. Are you ready? Thus saith the Lord. God is speaking to us, O house of Israel. He says, seek me, and what? Seek me, and you will live. Did you hear that? Josh, man, I'm just not living right now. I know why. He says, seek me, and you shall live. You need to seek and pursue God. Seek me, and you will live. If you're not living, there's something wrong, and I know what it is. You are not seeking God. But seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught or to nothing. It says, don't seek these other places which have false gods. Get away from those cities. Do you know why you're not living? It's because you're seeking other cities and other places that are not the living God. Isn't it so sweet how picture perfect Jesus does it for us? One plus one is two. A, B, C. It's just really simple. Seek me, and you shall live. I hear God speaking to me all the time. Josh, come and read the word with me. Lord, I don't want to read the word. Come read with me. Are you going to be bummed after you read? No. Then why don't you come read? Because I don't want to. Spend time with me. Seek me and you will live. I don't want to live. That seems to be the problem, doesn't it? You're in the place that you're at because you don't want to. You suppress the truth. God is speaking clearly to you day and night. Stop seeking those other cities. Is it a job? Is it a relationship? Is it a person? What are you seeking after that is not the Lord? That's the great level in life, isn't it? It just just levels everything out. The equalizer. Jesus just said there's one thing. One thing. You seek me. You follow after me. And you will live. Verse 6, guess what it says again? I think Amos is trying to say something to us. Seek the Lord, and you shall live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and devour it, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. Seek the Lord, or fire will come down and destroy your life. That's what it's saying. And isn't that what happens when you do not seek God? Does not fire come down and just wreck your life? I love the simple messages of the Bible that are so clear over and over and over again. Just seek God, man. If you don't, the fire will come and wreck your life. Ye who turn to judgment, to wormwood and leave off righteousness in the earth... Verse eight again. Are you ready? Seek him that maketh the seven stars and Orion. See that Orion, Orion's belt. Yeah, you thought the astronomers came that brought that one together, didn't you? Nope, the Bible did. Make it the seven stars in Orion and turneth the shadow of death into morning, and maketh the day dark with night, that he calleth for the waters. Of the sea and pour them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. Oh man, I love that. The Lord is his name. The Lord is the one who does what? He that calls for the waters of the sea. Is there anyone in here who can call the waters of the sea? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone at all? Going once? Going twice? No, there is none. Who calls the sea? I don't know if you've ever been out in the ocean. As I've been talking with people more recently, I keep asking, like, why don't you surf? Like, why, hello? Like, it's like the greatest adventure in the world. I hear the same things all the time. Either when they get out there, they just it's just so difficult to get up, balance, and all this kind of stuff. Or the waves are too big. and they, Or they were smashed when they were a child. You know, like, they went out there, and the waves just picked them up and just dropped them. You know, it's just like, and, and they just can't, I love the water, I love being out there. But every time when I'm in the ocean, especially on a big day, you just recognize how much of a nobody you really are. I mean, the waves could just, anytime, they're just like, nah, eh, today I think I'm going to just, I'm just going to kill you. I'm just going to take you out. Okay? I'm just going to pick you up and I'm going to drop you. I mean, you're not going to be able to do anything about it. It's just amazing what can happen. I mean, I was just sitting there on my board just this last week and there's reef under me. You know, there's there's reef which is like rock. You know, it's it's under you under the ocean, and the place that I serve. Just the sweetest spot, though. Okay, and it's like if you when you fall, I fell and I hit my foot and just I mean just split split my toe open, and you you just start to recognize how fragile you really are. It's like any time. I mean, it's like if it just wanted to pick you up and slam you into the rock and kill you, it could. And You're like Josh, why do you sir, why are you doing that? It's awesome, man. It's just the greatest adventure. But this is what I'm getting at. He who calls upon the waters, his name is the Lord. And I don't know if you've ever been deep sea fishing, man, but you go out there in the middle of the ocean, you feel that water start to churn and move. It is incredible. You recognize real quick that even though I'm in this, you know, million-dollar boat or whatever, this thing could just tip over any time it wants. And God has control. Him that calleth the sea and poureth them out upon the face of the earth can you picture God just picking up, you know, with his own hand? Just, there you go. Just picks it up, you know, with his hand. Just, okay, I'm going to pour the ocean out on the earth. There you go. There's a little ocean for you. Oh, cute little ocean. I like what Levi Lesko said this last weekend when he was talking to the devotions. He was talking about how God holds all the waters in His in his palm, in his hand. And he's like, the palm of your hand, that's like, That's like the amount of water that you use, you know, like when you're in the shower and there's like a spider and you're just like, you know, I mean, that little bit right there, you know, you're trying to like splash the thing away, little daddy long legs, you know, he was talking about that. And he's like, and that's, and that's how big God's hand is. Just that little bit of water. That's like the ocean to him. Here you go. His name is the Lord. Yahweh that strengthen the spoil against the strong, verse 9, so that the spoil shall come against the fortress. They hate him that rebuke in the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. Wow! They hate the truth. It reminds me of religiousness. Have you seen it? Have you heard of it? Is that uh, Bill, what's his last name? Bill Maher, Religiousist. It's a movie that has come out to mock Jesus, to mock Christianity, and to God, just mock God in general. And um, it's people who hate truth. He really does. He hates. The, he hates the truth. And he's trying to do everything that he can to mock and put down and he, he does it pretty well in that movie. I mean, he just makes a big joke out of religion. He just interviews people who don't know anything about their faith. And he gets them to say things they wish they would have never said. He puts it on video and he just mocks Christianity like crazy. People who hate truth, they hate it. You confront them with it. That's what's starting to happen in our day and age. People are allowed to make movies that hate God. Isn't that crazy? It's happening now in our time. Verse 11, for as much, therefore, as your threading is upon the poor, you take from the burdens of wheat. You have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. Do you see that? God's speaking clearly. He says, yeah, you guys are prospering and you even have nice homes and you have all the food that you want to eat. But he says, you will not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine from them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins. They afflict the just. They take a bribe. They turn aside the poor and the gate from their right. God says, I know that you're very rich and prosperous now. But I will take it all from you. And you will not enjoy any of it. I wonder if God is saying that to many of the men on Wall Street. Who had their millions invested. They thought they're on top of the world. King of the world. I don't need God. I don't need nobody. I got everything I need. God says, you will build a house, but you can't even live in it. He says, you have planted a vineyard, but you will take no grapes from it. You will bake your cake, but you will not eat it. That's what he's saying. And this is crucial for the people of God. Listen to me, family, please stay with me. Be careful about the cakes that you build in life. Be careful about the dreams and the things that you pursue that have nothing to do with God because many times you will build businesses for yourself. You will build dreams for yourself and they will be taken from you because it is all about you because God loves his kids. He's not going to let you go far before he turns you back to him. That's what he's doing with Israel. He says, you have all this Look at how bad they've gotten. They have all this money yet they do not even look to the poor sitting at the gate. Careful. I don't know why but the Bible and the Lord has something some kind of special connection with the poor of the earth. Those in poverty. Listen to me, this is important. I'm not talking about homeless people who are lazy and don't desire to work. I'm talking about those who are in poverty and are hurting for some reason and maybe they are begging. God has a special desire to see them taken care of. And he calls it out time and time again. And I would encourage you as the family of Christ, listen to me. That if you see someone who is poor that you engage, you figure out what's going on. And if you can help, you do. Listen to me. Be spirit led. You don't just give somebody money. They don't always need money. Sometimes they need a word of encouragement. Sometimes they need a prayer. Sometimes they need some food. If a drunk guy comes up to me, hey man, can I have some money? I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to buy a beer. It's like, absolutely not. I will not give you any money. I'm not going to help you get drunk some more. And let me tell you, Joe, I know you're older than me and you've lived longer than me. But the Bible is very clear that you're not to be drunk with wine but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm not going to give you money to help you get drunk. I'll buy you something to eat right now and I'm going to pray for you but I'm not going to help you do that. And I'll see through people as well who are on the street asking for money if they've made up this story. I'll also ask them a few questions. Then start digging in a little bit into their life and see if they're really in need. See what they've done. So I ask them all the time. This is another question. So how long will you be on the street? When are you going to be out of here? When am I not going to see you on the street anymore? Five months? Four months? Three months? Well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Aren't you working to get off the street, or are you just hanging out here? We are to take care of the poor and needy. Did you know that? That's what we're called to. The Bible says it very clear here. You see that in the end of verse 12? They turn aside the poor in the gate from their right. Therefore, the prudent shall keep silent in that day, for it is an evil time. Evil time. Verse 14, look at it. Seek good and not evil, that you may what? Live. Simple, huh? Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as ye have spoken. Hate the evil and love the good. Did you hear that? Say that with me. Hate the evil and love the good. Say it again. Hate the evil and love the good. Josh, you trying to brainwash us? Yes. Hate the evil and love the good. Hate what is evil. Hate what is wicked. Huh? God hates things? God can't hate things. He's a God of love. Hates evil. Yes, He does. He hates it. He hates the wicked as well. Did you know that? God loves everybody. He hates the wicked, He hates them with a passion. For they raise up their hand against him to rebuke and to mock and to strike against God. And the wicked try and destroy his people. You are to hate what is wicked. Listen, family, please. Don't allow your mind to enjoy things that are wicked and evil. Don't do it. Yeah, but Josh, you're going to make me a little goody-two-shoe. Good. Don't even be enticed by anything that is wicked or evil. You need to get to a point in your life where you see the line clearly. You've drawn it for yourself. You know where compromise comes? When the line is fuzzy in your life. You can't tell what is right and what is wrong anymore. You can't tell what you should be doing and you shouldn't be doing. A lot of times the people who say, man, it's okay to drink, it's my freedom. Those are the ones who are always drunk and messing their lives up. Man, don't call me out, you know, for kissing my girlfriend, making out with her. Yeah, and that's why she's pregnant now. It's like, have people ever made strong decisions in their lives that they regret? Man, I wish I would have kissed my girlfriend more. Now that we're married, man, I wish it. Gosh, you know, back then I wish I would have. Hello, man. I wish you know that you know it's just so you know I just got to have that one drink, you know, because it's just you know it's good for my heart and everything, you know. And that's what the doctor tells me. Yeah. Really? Have you ever seen anything that even begins to look like sin, sin good for you? Even, even you've got to be careful with things that you watch. Because it's amazing. I even tried to watch, last night, I was trying to watch some of the things that I used to watch all the time. I just never get to watch TV. Never. I just, I don't know why. I think it's just a God thing. He just stops me. Like, I never, I don't have a TV. Um, the one in the family room there at the house that I stay at, it just, it's always being watched by somebody else. I never get to watch it. And so I rarely see movies. I rarely see TV shows of any kind. And so um, I used to love Shows like The Simpsons and Saturday Night Live and just all that, that sarcastic. I love that humor. You know, I used, used to be so into- – but I was even trying to watch some of the old stuff last night. I'm just like, this is so crude, man, you know, because I, I went on Hulu. I think that's – you can, like, watch, like, TV shows and all kinds of stuff on there. It was my first time on that website, and so I'm, like, checking this stuff out, and you can just watch pretty much anything on there. It's, like, internet TV, and I'm just like, man – How do you get to the point where you really start appreciating this stuff over and over? I think it just starts with a little bit of compromise. You know, just like last night. Like, I just watch it. It's just like, yeah, no big deal. And it's like, no, I, I hate wickedness. Hate wickedness. I want to be black or white. I don't want any of these gray areas in my life. Because where there is gray areas, if you're gray in a certain area, you're going to fall in that area. Draw the line. Guys, if you can't go on the internet without looking at porn, then draw the line. No more internet for you, bottom line. Or you need to have somebody in the room or you need to put that computer somewhere else. You got to draw the line. Girls, if you can't gossip every time you talk to that friend, then no more talking to that friend. Because you can't contain yourself. You need to draw the But Josh, that's legalism. It's only legalism when you push it on someone else. You can draw all kinds of lines and standards for your own life. I know what I need, and I know what standards I need in my life to stop me from going to those places, and so I'm going to do it. Billy Graham had a great one that he drew, a great line that he drew in his life. It wasn't for everyone. It was just for him. He says, anytime I step into a room, if there's a woman in there, I will leave the room immediately. I will never be in a room by myself with a woman. I will never be in an elevator by myself with a woman. I will never, never, everywhere that he traveled, he would never allow it to happen, not by himself. Wow, it's powerful, huh? He drew the line. It's purposing in your heart to hate what is wicked and to love what is good. And you need to train yourself to love what is good as well. Family, family. You need to rejoice with those who rejoice and you need to mourn with those who mourn. Don't get all bummed out when something good happens for somebody else and not for you. Stop that. You need to love what is good. Don't be jealous. Don't be envious. Why isn't that happening for me? Look deep into your heart. Look deep into your heart and see why you're bitter at someone. I was talking with a brother today belt went off the handle on him because he was calling out one of the great men of our time because hey he's not perfect in all areas but he's done great things for the kingdom of god i said man you better rejoice don't condemn him why don't you condemn me because i have a lot of mistakes we to rejoice and to love what is good when you see something good if it's in the catholic church praise god in the Pentecostal movement, why don't you praise God if it's good? If it's something good that is of God, then praise him for it. Love what is good and hate what is wicked and evil. No gray areas. And be firm in this. Family, can we do that? Can you imagine what a generation we would raise up? Me and Brian were having that talk just in the car the other day. Like, how many kids are you going to have? It's like, I think a lot. You know, we'll see. Yeah, because we're going to raise up an army that loves God, man. Just between me and him. We're going to have a small army. Nick, you can lead the troops for us, man. Take them to boot camp. Small army. For the kingdom. That's really the greatest joy. Don't you think? I was thinking, he's like, what if you have all girls? I'm like, well... (laughs) <laughs> he said that, but this is what I said. I said, my girls will be the most beautiful girls on the earth. And listen, and every guy will know, man, those girls, they know the word of God. You don't mess with those girls. Don't even try. I'm telling you, you don't even want to try. Like, you want you, what you want to try to date one of those girls? Like, dude, those Thompson girls are pretty crazy, man. They're like, <laughs> if you ask them out on a date, you better be careful, man, because they're going to drill you, you know. and I believe it with all my heart. I hope that my kids turn a public school upside down. I hope to see them do the radical for the name of Jesus Christ. But I'll teach them from the day that they're born to hate what is evil and to love what is good. How do you teach them? You live it yourself. And you start practicing that right now in your life. And if you can't do it today, you will never be able to do it tomorrow you got to start now. You must hate what is evil and love the good. Establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. That's what Amos in that day was calling out to. There is no justice in their time. I and mean, isn't that happening in our time too? You know how much it costs for an inmate to stay in prison? About thirty to forty thousand dollars a year. It's a lot of money, huh? You wanna know why that's not why that is happening? Is because justice is not being served. It's like a hotel room in there, man. It ain't that big of a deal to go to prison. There's guys who think it's like some honor thing. Man, I went to jail you know I I can't believe it. I'm like in shock I think when I think about it. They pride themselves on going to prison. It's almost like this Yeah, it's like a badge, right? I've been in jail 5 times. What if if you went in jail every time you did, you're getting your finger cut off? Huh? What? Yeah, you're going to lose you're going to lose a finger every time you go in. If you kill somebody, you'll be killed. Bottom line. Can you imagine if law and justice was truly set in our day and age? Isn't it amazing how someone who rapes, murders, or molests will just serve a small amount of time and actually get to live life again? In the Old Testament, if you're caught doing that, you know what happened? They will stone you. They will take you out to the edge of the city. You know, if you talk back to your parents, if you were a jerk, a rebellious little jerk, and you wouldn't stop, you know what they do? They take you out to the edge of the city and stone you. Wow. Sound like kids might start respecting their parents, huh? I bet you if we raise that law in a second, if you kill somebody, if you murder them, if you meditate, On killing someone and then you go and kill them. You will be killed. If that happened, I bet you everyone would think twice about killing someone, wouldn't they? Very quick. If you steal something, we're cutting your hand off. Bet you think twice about stealing something and getting caught, huh? There is no justice in our day. Very small. It's sad. Inmates live in luxury. Cable TV. Three meals a day. They can stay as long as they want. sad. It's because there is not much justice in our day. That's why many of you, if you're called, become a judge and employ justice in our society in Jesus' name. Many of you women are called to be judges in your own home, aren't you? To judge your children correctly in justice and in truth. Sixteen. We'll just finish this chapter and be done, okay? I know you're weary. I can see. Therefore the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord saith thus, Wailing shall be in the streets, and they shall say in all the highways, At last, at last, they shall call the husbandmen to mourning and shall and such as are skillful in lamentation to wailing, and in all vineyards shall be wailing, for I will pass through thee, saith the Lord. That means that destruction is going to come upon them, and there's going to be crying in the streets everywhere. Woe, verse 18. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. This day of the Lord that he speaks about is not going to be a happy one. It will be a dark one for who? The wicked. Woe. He says woe. When you see the word woe in the Bible, that's a big deal. Woe unto you. Listen up. Reminds me of a joke. You want to hear a joke? Brian, hopefully I can get this one right. Okay, there's this preacher, right? He's he's, he's selling this horse. And there's this guy who comes up and wants to buy this horse, and so he wants to go for a ride. And so he's like, okay, okay, listen. And when you want to get this horse to go, instead of kicking it and clicking, okay, Right? That's what they do. He says, you say, praise the Lord. You say the praise the Lord. You just say, praise the Lord, and the thing will take off, okay? But when you want it to stop, you don't say, whoa. You say, amen, okay? So you want it to go, praise the Lord. Thing will take off. You want it to stop? Just say, amen, everything will stop, okay? No woes, just amen. He says, okay, okay. So the guy gets on takes it for a ride he's flying around okay i want to see how fast this thing can really go so he starts yelling praise the lord praise the lord and the thing just takes off praise the lord things running as fast what what you guys think i'm gonna screw this up huh i got i got it i got this it's like praise the lord praise the lord you know and the horse is running as fast he can And then all of a sudden it starts to run towards a cliff He's like, oh, man, I don't remember what I'm supposed to say to make it stop. Oh, oh, what do I say? Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not working. It's not working. It's another word. What is it? What did the preacher tell me? He's like, oh, he's coming close to the cliff and about to come off. He's like, Lord Jesus, please just stop this thing from going over the cliff. Amen. The horse stops. He said amen. He's like, oh, yeah, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. They, dude, they laughed. They laughed. If you didn't get it, you'll get it on the way out. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I think it's the first time in history. Huh, Ryan? It's my first one, huh? It's my first joke, guys. What are you guys saying? Praise God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Whoa. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. Isn't that an incredible statement? Amos says, he looks the people, tells the nation, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. You want to know why? Because that's going to be a dark day, he says. It's going to be a sad day. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him. Verse 19. Or went into the house and leaned his hands on the wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light very dark and no brightness in it? Amos says, the day of the Lord for you is a very scary day. It will be like a lion chasing you and then a bear showing up and eating you. It will be like you just putting your hand on the wall to hang out and just kick back and all of a sudden a snake bites you in the hand and kills you. That's how it will happen. It will be scary and it will be quick. The day of the Lord is upon us. And we know that there will be a day when we will stand before Jesus Christ, our King. And woe unto you who do not walk in righteousness. For it will come upon you like a serpent, like a snake biting you quickly. And it will be a scary day for all who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Do not walk with him and live for him as a Christian is called. Verse twenty one: I hate and despise your feast days. I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Wow, God says I hate and despise. That's powerful words. That's strong words, isn't it? He's saying this to Israel, his own people. I hate what you are doing. Your feast days. Look at the description of what they're doing. Verse twenty two. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not ac- what I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offering of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs. Look at verse 23, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials. Do you see this? Do you know that a church could offer things up to God? and could sing songs under God, and God could say, I hate this. I don't like any of this. Remember the first thing that I told you that the nation was doing? They were worshiping God, but what? Not with true worship. What is true worship? That we would worship God in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. Don't come into this place with a heart that is not rendered towards God. Don't do it. Don't come into this coffee shop week after week and offer things up to God and your heart not be turned towards him. Don't do it. You're wasting your time. God's saying, you play a song and I don't hear it. Isn't that sad? We can do all the outward things as a Christian and everything be empty inside, huh? We could do the whole thing. You come in here, you lift your hands, you clap to God, you do the whole thing and you walk away and you do not have a strong relationship with God. What's with that? We've got to change family. We can't allow this to be a part of our lives. I believe true worshipers will worship when no one is looking. I believe true seekers of God will offer and sacrifice unto God when no one is around. We'll minister the gospel to that homeless person when no one is around. In the secret of your own heart, in the secret of your own house, and of your own room. What is going on? Are you ready to be honest with God? Stop messing around. You're not fooling anyone but me. You did a great job. But when you stand before God, it will be as if you were being chased by a lion and a bear shows up. And it will happen so fast that you will have no time to recover. Don't mess around with God. This is not a life to be messing around with. Seek your God and you shall what? Live. Verse 24, but let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Have you offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness for 40 years, O house of Israel? But you have borne the tabernacle of your, it says in the King James, of your Moloch. The Moloch is the God of money. And she on your images, the star of your God, which you made to yourselves. Therefore, I will cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the Lord God of hosts. Did you hear that? I'm sorry. The God of money is Mammon. Moloch is the God that they would place babies on. They would heat up the hands and they would sacrifice babies to this God. And we seek that God, do we not? It is the God of abortion in this day and age. God says, I knew you before you were even born. I formed you in the womb. I knew everything about you. There's a lot of wicked things happening in this nation today and the only way that it's going to change is through us making a change now in our lives and purposing in our hearts to draw the line to hate what is evil and to love what is good. Are you with me, family? I heard somebody say it, I think it was last week, if you want to destroy society, just take the Father out. Take the father out and the whole family will fall apart. And isn't that, guys, isn't that what society is screaming at you? There are three things that will cause you to fall. Are you ready? This will destroy your life. These are the three things you are to run from all the days of your life. These are the three things that every single person that does fall, falls into. Number one, the money. The money. Material things, money. Chasing after goods, working instead of serving God. Listen, your kids don't care how much money you make, they want a dad. Stop making so much money so you can spend more time with your family. How about that? Yeah, but I provide for you, I give you all the cool stuff. They don't care about that, they want a dad. Girls, the same for you, please. Don't get a job to make more money so that you guys can have a nicer house. Don't do it. They need a mom. Someone who loves them. Number two, it's either the money, the sex is number two. It is the sex. That's what will kill you guys. It is the lust of the eyes that will kill you. You will leave your wife for some other woman. You will allow small things to creep into your heart and start to dwell there. Images from MTV or whatever TV show you're watching, don't do it. Don't do it. And the last thing is glory, fame, power. That is it. These are the three things that will destroy your life. I guarantee it and will destroy our society. You just want everybody to respect you. You want respect? Raise your family in the ways of God. Raise up a godly family. Raise up a good family, huh? Hey, you know what? We didn't have much money, but you know what? My dad raised us in the ways of the Lord, and I'm so thankful. God, I'm so thankful. If we would have had a lot of cool stuff and no God in our family, and then I would have found out 20 years from now about God, I would have been ticked. Why didn't my dad tell me? don't allow our nation to fall please it rests on us and so can we lift our hands to the Lord and can we pray offering ourselves unto him here in this moment saying God I hear your words and I am ready to take heed and obey your truth Father do you see your people's hands lifted to you God this is a sign of surrender. We say we give up. No more of us. We desire to hate what is evil, God. Give us hearts that hate evil. Give us minds that reject evil and wickedness. That when it comes to us, it's like bitterness in our mouth. It's like a lemon touching our tongue, God. It just we 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 recoil, God. We don't even want it. Help us to hate evil. And a love that is good, Lord. When we see the goodness of your love and your truth going forth, we would exalt and praise and be excited about it and be rejoicing with the family members around. God, we give you our lives. We pray that we would be a nation. God, we would be a family that raise our kids in the ways of you and raise our families in the ways of you. That we seek you and shall live. We seek no other thing in life, Lord. We will never seek the money, never seek the women or the sex, any of that. The things of the flesh, materialism, beauty. We will never seek those things. We will never seek glory and fame and power. But we will seek what you desire. Help us, God. We commit ourselves to you tonight. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Family, love you guys.